Welcome to the Sage Thought Leadership Podcast, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. Oh, hi, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. I'm Ed Kless, and with me today is Ben Hafley. Ben is an experienced lean startup practitioner, program manager, educator, and coach. He has worked with over 400 startups and innovation project teams spanning five continents. Ben leads training, coaching, and consulting engagements with startups, large corporations, and government agencies. He thrives on operationalizing lean startup concepts and driving alignment and engagement with senior leadership. Welcome to the Sage Thought Leadership Podcast, Ben Hafley. Thanks for having me. Well, first off, Ben, why do you do what you do? Yeah, so it's a little bit of a long story. Uh, basically, I um, am long enough uh, in, in my into my career where I was operating before Lean Startup was out. Uh, it's before Eric Ries had written the Lean Startup back in 2011. And so I was working with large company uh, innovation teams, product teams. I was coaching startups. I was actually teaching entrepreneurship uh, at the collegiate level. And um, uh, I wasn't very good at it. And it's because we weren't very good at it as kind of the human species. Um, we were treating uh, new innovative things just as we would existing lines of business. And so the the best way we knew how to coach and educate uh, ourselves on on how to how to do innovation was come up with a really big plan. I wish I had a big binder of some kind, right? With a really thick uh, financial forecast, a lot of requirements, a lot of analysis, right? Market analysis, SWOT, all that kind of stuff um, to kind of analyze your way to what to do in the first place and then go sell somebody on that plan and then hope somebody gives you money to execute that plan. That just didn't work. It didn't work at the at the at the uh, at the startup level. It didn't work at the company level. Uh, you know, for for existing innovation and product teams. And so the reason I do what I do is that when the Lean Startup book came out uh, back in 2011, it's unbelievable it's been that long. Is it was an answer to all of these problems that I'd been experiencing for so many years. And so. Um, at that point, I dedicated the rest of my professional career to um, putting Lean Startup into practice for startups, large government agencies, large co- uh, large companies um, uh, who are suffering from that kind of innovation dysfunction that comes with the traditional way of doing things. So that's why I do what I do. And tell me more about that. So especially with with regard to the way Lean Startup and innovation interact with each other. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, there's a lot of models out there about what innovation is and what it isn't. It's a little bit of a dangerous word. Uh, really, really, what it all comes down to is uncertainty. And so um, if a company, a startup, a whatever is going to do something where they're really confident um, and they have validated evidence that if we go and do this thing, it's going to it's going to hit the mark with customers. There's going to be enough demand for it. Um, we're going to make a profit, that kind of thing. Um, then lean startup isn't really applicable. Um, traditional techniques of uh, uh, sometimes it's called business transformation uh, transformation techniques or product development techniques um, are well suited to that. Where those approaches fall over is when there's more uncertainty than usual. And the higher the uncertainty, the more applicable Lean Startup is. And so if you're a big company and uh, you're trying to extend your product line and you're really not sure if this new thing is going to hit the mark or not with customers. And I don't mean like generally, I mean specifically if this exact product is going to really hit the mark with customers. 
um, you should be using Lean Startup, right? If you've got a new business and you're not sure if you're uh, going to, you know, if the business model that you're thinking of deploying is the right one, you should use Lean Startup. Um, and so it's really about the level of uncertainty. Um, and so that's correlated with innovation, right? Typically, when things are innovative, there's more uncertainty about what you should do in the first place, if anything. And that's why um, we typically like to talk about uncertainty as opposed to just innovation, um, because that's really what we're in the business of uh, uh, of addressing is high uncertainty situations. One of my mentors, a guy by the name of George Gilder, has a great line. He said, innovation always comes as a surprise to us. If because it's it, by definition surprise, he goes on to say, by the way, other because if it didn't, socialism would work. We could plan it. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. And uh, and a lot of the teams that we work with, um, the problem that they think they should solve for customers turns out to not be a problem at all. But in the process of that, um, uh, those experiments, those interviews, they find a problem worth solving. Same thing with solution concepts where they're like, oh, this thing's a slam dunk. They go out and there's crickets. There's zero market demand for their minimum viable product, their MVP. But in asking people, hey, how come you're not interested in this? They get uh, an insight into, oh, okay, now we have a better idea of what to, uh, what to go build and test next. So that really resonates with me. One of the things that I've always thought innovation, and I'm curious to get your reaction to it, is, is that sometimes innovation can be when two disparate ideas seem to come together and create something new. Uh, yeah. Give an example of a slide that I've used on a presentation is a, is a skateboard and a stroller, right? Uh-huh. Like they, they strap this skateboard on the side of a stroller so you could have a toddler ride alongside. And I yeah. think that's a great example of innovation because it's two disparate things that you wouldn't necessarily think of coming together to create something new. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, I would say I, I like to and, and, you know, we'll get into some definitions here, but innovation is thinking, hey, what if we put the stroller and the skateboard together? Entrepreneurship is then like, OK, how do we find out if anyone actually wants that? And if so, how much should we charge for it? Should they rent it? Should they buy it outright? Should it be a lease? You know, and so um, what I would say is that, you know, lean startup um, empowers innovators by bringing disciplined entrepreneurship. So uh, Lean Startup isn't necessarily about ideation and coming up with the ideas in the first place, although that happens as a result of Lean Startup. What we really do in Lean Startup is to say, great, somebody has a, an idea for the stroller and the skateboard. How do we go test that? Like, who's the target market for that? Is it adults? Is it kids? Is it someone else? We don't know. Let's go find out. And so it's a way of operationalizing um, a, a way of testing innovative new ideas. I can answer that question as people with one child. Cause <laughs> yeah. as soon as I saw this thing, I was like, my, my relationship with my son would be much better if I had had this thing. <laughs> we still have to test it though, but I like yeah, that's, still- a good, that's a good hypothesis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anything else on innovation that just pops to mind on you? What, what do you think that, that entrepreneurs that, cause I like how you broke that down. What did yeah. they not understand usually about innovation? Well, um, you know, as lean startup becomes more and more, I would say mainstream, uh, you know, before it was like the, you know, the, uh, la resistance, it was like the, 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 uh, revolutionaries who are trying to overthrow the current product development or uh, innovation techniques. It's becoming more mainstream now. Um, But what I would say is people still always assume that you have to build a lot more than you do to test demand. And so, um, for example, you've got a new product. Um, The old paradigm was we have to we have to build the entire thing, spend all the money up front 
and then launch it to test demand. And so the problem with that is if you ha- get any anything other than perfect amount of demand, um, it's too late. You can't do anything. You've already it, There's a bunch of sunk costs. You've already spent the money. And so a lot of people will say, well, MVPs or minimum, you know, minimum viable products, let's just rename a pilot program an MVP. And so, yeah, maybe you haven't built the whole thing, but you're still developing an entire product and an entire system where people are actually using the full-fledged product. Is that building less? Yes, but you can build a lot less and still get a lot of those critical insights up front. One of my favorite things uh, to do is have uh, teams that we train and coach build uh, sketch MVPs. So literally mechanical pencil piece of eight and a half by 11, uh, note, you know, uh, printer paper, sketch out the concept, whatever it is, and leave it a little bit vague, put enough in there so people know what it is and then share that or maybe another one or two other versions of it with people over zoom and say, Hey, I took a picture of this piece of paper. What do you think of this? And the questions that they ask, the customers ask, um, the feedback that they give is generally highly insightful and how much did that test cost? Incrementally, nothing. You already bought all the materials in your Zoom subscription. So it's basically convincing people that you can build a lot less and still get really good directional evidence on where your, your new product or, or service um, should go. And Ben, we have an exit question that we ask all of our guests, and that is, who is a hero of yours and why are they a hero? Yeah, um, so I would say, um, you know, Heroes um, are people that aren't uh, perfect, you know, as we <laughs> as we've talked about, um, but but are admirable. Um, I think mine shift, um, you know, kind of almost on a weekly basis, uh, depending on what the challenges that I'm having in my own life. Right now, I would say a, a hero of mine is my dad. Uh, he he had a a small business uh, growing up, and he did such an excellent job of work was work, and when he got home, he didn't work. And even right now, he's 86 years old. He's still in business. (laughs) And um, the other day I said, hey, dad, um, you know, can I come meet you for lunch on Tuesday? And he said, I don't know. And I said, why not? He said, well, my calendar and everything is it's at the office. I I can tell I'll call you and tell you tomorrow. He doesn't have a phone with his email on it. He doesn't have. And I mean, so when he leaves work, he's legit done with work. And that for, to me right now and to a lot of other people that are probably listening to this, that's very refreshing, right? Um, so just uh, being intentional about building boundaries, um, you know, between professional and personal life. So I would say my, my dad is my hero at the moment. <laughs> and lastly, Ben, how can somebody contact you? Uh, so you can uh, look me up on LinkedIn. Uh, it's Ben Hafley, H-A-F-E-L-E, uh, and you can DM me there, or uh, you can shoot me an email. Uh, will that be in the show notes at all? My we email? can put it on the show notes, sure. Yeah, let's do that. Awesome. All right. Well, Ben Hafley, thanks so much for being a guest on the Sage Thought Leadership Podcast. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Review and subscribe by searching your podcast player of choice for Sage Thought Leadership Podcast. 